The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Let's begin here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Welcome back to our series on the quest for the authentic church as our boys and girls uh, are dismissed and enjoy their time there with Kidsville. The quest for the authentic church. What does the scripture say concerning really that New Testament era church? What, what are some of those great qualities that they possess that can be measured And as we began looking at this little letter to the Thessalonian church, we saw highlighted a trilogy of faith, hope, and love that the Scripture gives to us time and time again as the Apostle Paul is writing different letters to these different churches. Now, over the past few weeks, we have been examining here what it really means to grow as individual believers as well as grow as a church. And we began several weeks ago looking at this thought of growing in faith. Uh, You know, an authentic church is a church that grows in their faith. It's not a stagnant faith. It's not a dead faith. It's a living faith that is growing. And through the scripture, there's a great encouragement on the part of God's people to see that faith grow. For instance, the next slide gives us 2 Thessalonians 1.3. And I want us to look at it. Here, what Paul is saying in the next letter is, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. I want to ask a question this morning. Is your faith growing, and is it growing exceedingly? Paul wrote two letters to this young church. In the first one, he commended them. In 1 Thessalonians 1.3, he said, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith. He commented here that he saw in that local body faith being exercised. And so now as he's writing a second letter to them, he comes back and he says, listen, boy, I've noticed that not only do you have a work of faith, but I'm I'm seeing something pretty dynamic in your local body, and that is that that faith is really growing. You know, an authentic Christian is a Christian whose faith is growing. And we learn together that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If I'm going to be an authentic Christian and an authentic Christian, local body, we've got to recognize that faith is a key component and that God is desiring to grow that faith as we get into the Word of God. Romans 10 tells us, faith uh, comes by hearing. You say, how is my faith going to increase, Pastor? How is my faith going to grow? You know, the more that you know about God in this book, the more you learn about the Lord Jesus Christ, Your faith will grow. And God is desiring here to measure us and see if we're that kind of church that is growing in our faith. Well, we also learned last time together here a little bit about growing in our love. For, as Paul wrote to this church at Thessalonica, he he said, listen, I, I see your work of faith, but I also see your labor of love. So the authentic church, that Thessalonian church, was marked by a faith, but also a love. 
And I want us to go back to 2 Thessalonians 1.3 in the next verse, and I want you to see the latter end. He's already commended them for their faith that grows exceedingly, but now look at what it says. And the charity or love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So he said to this young church, listen, I've seen faith, I've seen hope, I've seen love, but I see it expanding. I see it growing. And every one of us as a child of God ought to have that heartbeat to say, God, would you let me grow in these areas? God, I want more faith today than I had last year. I I want to see a love growing in my life for others and for you. And these are the measuring sticks that Paul had in the back of his mind as he looked at this church, an authentic New Testament church, and that's how we can be judged. Not not, uh, by the standard of other churches around us, but by the Word of God. What does the Bible say an authentic church was all about? It was all about growing in their faith. It was all about this love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. And that word abound simply means to overflow in your life. Uh, Is the love of God overflowing in our life? When others run into us at the workplace or out in the grocery store or uh, maybe at the gym, what what comes out of my life and what comes out of your life? Is it this love of the Lord and a love for people? Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ summed up all the Ten Commandments and love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor as yourself. And so this component of a growing love is one of those earmarks of an authentic faith, an authentic Christian experience an authentic New Testament church. All right, so we've looked at growing in our faith. We've looked at growing in our love. Now, this morning, we're going to move into that uh, third area, and that is growing in hope. Growing in hope. And I I want you to listen carefully here this morning because I really believe that if we can get a hold of this concept of hope, it is going to carry us through some of the darkest days in our walk on this earth. You say, why why do we need hope? Because hope is the mechanism that God provides for us that allows us to be patient during some of the dark valleys of life. For instance, in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3, Paul alludes to the reality that this hope is linked to a a patience. I'm going to read verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of love, And I'm sorry, your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Why did this church need this patience? Well, because from the very beginning of its founding, uh, it was founded in time of persecution. You can read the story yourself later on in Acts chapter 17, but there was a riot in the city when this church was just birthed. Matter of fact, they were taking some of the leaders of the church and they were hauling them out of the church and persecuting them in, in some, such terrible ways that, that that church said, Paul, I know you've just been here a little bit, but you've got to get out of town uh, for your own safety because of the pressure and the persecution that was coming upon the people of God. 
And you remember there from Acts chapter uh, 17 that he leaves Thessalonica, he goes to Berea, and then to Athens, and, and ultimately to Corinth. So the Apostle Paul got a taste of the persecution that they endured, the hardship, the trial that they endured, and now throughout this letter he's trying to encourage them in their faith, in their love, but also in their hope. For that hope uh, provides that reservoir that you and I can draw on to receive the strength of God uh, when life is not going our way. Let's bow in prayer as we ask the Lord to help us this morning to just really understand what His Word is sharing with us. Father, I thank you for each one that's here, and it's not an accident. We're asking today that as you have taught us about faith and as you have taught us about love, I pray this morning you would teach us about hope. And God, I ask that our hope would be strengthened and rooted in truth. And God, that we would see you for who you are, a great God that's bigger than all the circumstances and heartaches of life. And I pray today that, Lord, you would strengthen your believer uh, with this Bible hope. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the tough thing about dealing with a topic like hope is that we're so conditioned by Webster's Dictionary concerning what hope is. For instance, if I told you this morning, you know what, I uh, hope this week uh, that uh, publisher clearing knocks on my door, you know. Uh, what am I saying? I'm saying it's probably not going to happen. It's wishful thinking, right? Uh, when I was young, you know, I, I always uh, enjoyed uh, meeting my dad as he was coming home from the steel factory, and uh, I, I lived on a city block, and that was my domain, and I wasn't able to cross the street at that time, and so I would go to the far edge of the block where I knew my dad would come down the street, and there, as he pulled into the alley that led there to our driveway, I would meet him there, and he would open the front door, and I would jump on in. And uh, the, the expectation, the hope that, you know what, after work, Dad's coming, uh, that just uh, uh, encouraged me, strengthened me as a little child. And I thank God here for that kind of uh, an expectation, a confident expectation Really, that's the difference between my hope in God, a confident expectation because he's a loving, faithful father that he's going to follow through and come through versus just, I hope so. I, I, I'm hoping for the best. And, and so the Bible definition of hope is a lot different than the world's definition of hope. So this morning, I want you to just Focus on the reality that hope really is a confident expectation that God will fulfill exactly what he has said. That's what hope is biblically, all right? So let's begin. Number one, in your notes, in your bulletin, there is some uh, uh, follow-along notes that may be a help to you. You have a review on the first page, but inside you have the first thought, our faith's relationship to hope, and uh, I would love for you to hear uh, to go with me to Hebrews chapter number 11. You know what? I need to go back one slide because I didn't get to Romans 15, and this is so important. I want you to see this verse before we go on. 
But Romans 15, 13 also talks about a growing, all right? Look at it. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, for you to grow in hope this morning and for you to abound in hope this morning is possible because of the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. You may right now be facing one of the most difficult trials of your life, and can I tell you, without Bible hope, you are not going to navigate that fiery trial like God wants you to in such a way that will bring honor and glory to God. I think of a guy like Joseph, a young man that, I mean, is ripped out of his family. He's there, uh, transported as a slave to the land of Egypt, and, and yet it seems like he thrived in every situation. He sold uh, as a slave to Potiphar, and uh, there, although he's doing a great job, Potiphar's wife uh, casts her eyes of lust upon him, and uh, when he rebuffs her, he's the one that gets thrown in jail. And then you see here a couple years where Joseph is in prison. Do you ever ask yourself, what allowed him to be, uh, I, I mean, useful to God in those very unbearable situations? I'll give you the answer. It's a hope and confidence in God's promise and God's word. You see, God's the one that came to him when he was young. And God's the one that told him about his destiny, about his future in in a dream. And he shared that uh, with his brothers and with his parents. That didn't go so well. But the reality was he had hope. He had a reservoir of hope that he clung to, recognizing that God is in heaven. And when God makes promises, God, he cannot lie. He is the God of hope. And, and when I understand that he's the God of hope, what fills my heart instead of uh, just the, the, the overwhelming weight of life is joy and peace. And let me tell you this morning, that's what God's wanting to do in all of our lives if we're willing to grow in hope. Are we willing here to recognize that God has a plan for each and every one of our lives and that His plan is that our focus would be on Him. Hope thou in God, the psalmist says. And when my hope is anchored in God, I mean, let the storm come. Let the difficulty come. Let the financial reversal come. Let the loss of job come. Let the broken relationship come. My hope is in God. And I know that He's going to work all things together for good. Because that's the God that he is. And so this morning, what this preacher needs is a boatload of Bible hope. Not, not again wishful thinking, but hope that is anchored in God. And I want us to see as we start out uh, faith's relationship to hope. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. I don't know if there's another verse in Scripture that gives us a good Bible definition of faith. Then Hebrews 11, verse number 1. And the Bible says here, now faith, and I've got it up on the screen as well. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, now faith is the substance. It's tangible. It's real. Of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You know, both faith is linked here to this confident expectation in God. 
It's real. It's of substance. And there is evidence to back it up. And that's the fact that as a Christian, God's been working in my life since the time I was born again. And I have seen God working on my behalf. Yes, through the difficult times as well as the the blessed times. And, And let me tell you something. God's been faithful every step of the way. And, and there is a linkage here between faith and hope. Uh, let me, let me uh, take us here, first of all, to faith in the past. Look at Hebrews 11.3. The Bible says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Faith oftentimes is something that, you know, we look to in the past. And the Bible says creation is one of those things. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. You see, I don't have a conflict in my mind about how I got here. I have the Word of God to clearly declare to me exactly where man came from. I am created in the image of God. I am God's special creation. Uh, I am really the the, the focus of uh, His redemptive love. This this whole world He created and then put this world in the middle of this universe and then put mankind upon it and now desires to have a love relationship with every Man, woman, boy, and girl that will by faith turn to Jesus Christ and receive Him. You see, faith is something that is linked to the past, but it's also something that is necessary here for the present. And, and, and bringing faith and hope together, this confident expectation that God is going to fulfill His promise and His Word. And then faith for the future This is where our hope really is magnified as you read through the Scripture. I'd love for you to, for just a moment, go back to uh, 2 Thessalonians. I had you there to start with. And really, Paul is going to deal with that hope that's necessary for patience during difficult times. Remember, I, I shared with you, verse 3, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith groweth exceedingly and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. He mentioned those two components and he said, listen, your, your faith is off the charts. Your love is growing. But now he's going to address his concern with their hope. For the very next verse tells us this, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Chapter 2, verse 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. And now he's going to comfort them concerning the teaching of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's desiring to anchor their hope in the reality of God's clear word. They're wondering, is the world coming to an end? 
they're filled with anxiety because <laughs> they're not sure. This persecution is, is heavy on this church and on these believers. And, and the Word of God is allowing us to see that Paul is desiring to comfort them. Look at chapter 2, verse 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. See, he's saying, listen, I, I can't say enough about your faith and I can't say enough here about your love. But I want to encourage you about your hope because you have to hang on to your hope patiently as it seems like the world around you is spinning out of control. Here, the Apostle Paul is just kind of touching that tender spot in the life of this church. Maybe a, a, a lack of confidence in God and what God promised. Is that why in 1 Thessalonians, at the end of every chapter, he reminds them of the second coming of Christ? In every chapter, he, he brings home that reality. And then he says, comfort one another with these words. He's desiring for their hope to grow. Not in his word, but in God's word. Not in Paul's promises, but in God's promises. Listen, the older we get as Christians, the more we ought to have a steadfast hope and confidence in our God. And what our God is able to do in every situation and season of life. There's some of us here that are young in the faith. Listen, your hope expands as you get to know the God of hope. Your hope will flourish as you rest completely in His Word and allow His truth to encourage your heart. So here Paul says in verse 17 of 2 Thessalonians 2, Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. You know, when you lose hope, you don't, you're really not all that useful to the Lord in a practical way. When you don't have hope that God is real and that He's working in your life, how are you going to be that encouragement to others and that comfort to others that God desires for you to minister to? Oh, God's desiring for us to see the importance of hope. And uh, it begins as it is linked together with faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Number two this morning, I want us to see our focus of hope. Our focus of hope. Letter A, the person of hope. You know, the focus of hope has to be on a person, not on the situation that I'm going through right now. We've already looked at the verse, but do you see it one more time here? Here from the book of Romans. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. If there had one verse I want you to leave today with, it's that verse. If there's one verse I want you to meditate on this week, it's that one verse. Why? First of all, it identifies the person of hope. It's God. It's God. When you are hopeless, God is the God of hope. God is the one that can fill up the void in our life with His joy and His peace because we're trusting in Him. We're believing in Him. 
We're looking at the situation and it's real and it's dark and it's difficult. But listen, we're trusting God. And our hope is in Him. And, and, and that hope as it abounds, it can continue to grow. But we've got to see that's only possible here through the power of the Holy Ghost. So if I have a problem with a lack of hope in my life, it's because I'm not resting in the Holy Spirit of God to empower me to have the right spirit and the right attitude as God allows difficulties to come into my life. Peter uh, referenced some of those fiery trials, right, that we go through. And uh, Peter says, listen, when the fiery trials come, I want you to rejoice. James says the same thing in James chapter number 1. You say, rejoice, yes, because God is working out his perfect plan in your life and mine. Joseph didn't understand it. Joseph didn't have the whole picture, but he knew God was getting Joseph right where God wanted him to be. Ultimately, he would be second to Pharaoh on the throne. But in the meantime, uh, a servant in Potiphar's house and then uh, uh, in jail as a prisoner. And yet God was overseeing in Joseph's life exactly what Joseph needed so that uh, Joseph on the other end could be refined, purified, meat for the master's use. So the person of hope is God himself. The promises that bring hope, letter B, the promises that bring hope. I tell you, uh, there are so many promises that are connected here with our hope in God. I'm just going to reference a few of them here. If you look to the screen, Psalm 31, 24 is the first of these. Be of good courage, and he, God, shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Say, Pastor, I need a dose of courage. There's things that I'm going through right now that I'm really unsure about. Listen, there's the God of hope, and He's there to strengthen. The Bible goes on and tells us, I wanted you to see Psalm 146 here. Verse 5, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. That's a wonderful truth that, I mean, I can just go into life realizing that there's potential for real joy and real help because I'm looking not to the circumstances, I'm looking to God himself. How about Romans 13, 15, 13, just emphasizing the joy and peace? That's, a, that's the promise of God. How about Titus 1, 2? The scripture says, in hope of eternal life. Now, that's not, I got my finger crossed, I hope I get to heaven. No, that's a confident expectation in the very promise of God that cannot lie. And he promised it before the world began. Listen, you can have confidence this morning that you have eternal life. And your hope can rest in God's ability to keep you. Not in your ability to keep yourself but in God's ability to keep you. Uh, and what a blessing that uh, every believer can rest in that hope. Number three, the foundation of our hope. The foundation of our hope. What is my hope built upon? 
What is that hope that God's desiring for me to have? How is that going to really grow in my life? Uh, Romans chapter 15, we've been looking at verse 13. Take your Bible and I want you to see verse number 14. Go with me to Romans in your Bible. I don't have it on the screen, but Romans chapter number 15. We're going to look at verse number 4. Romans 15 verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have what? Hope. So number one, I want you to see here the reliability of God's Word. What's the foundation of my hope? The very Word of God. The very promises of God. Again, What does the Scripture say? For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Can I tell you, if you're a child of God and and, and you're going through nervous breakdowns and and your life is all spinning out of control emotionally, I I would venture to say that this book is not the the go-to book in your life. Too many Christians, they get away from God's Word and just allowing God to comfort their hearts through trials and difficulties. And what they do is they they look to the world or they look to friends for help or they look to this uh, uh, psychiatrist or they're going to look here to this doctor. They're going to look to some uh, TV personality. And can I tell you, that's not what's going to breed hope in your life. Hope in our life is going to be... uh, growing when we understand here this Word of God and the reliability of God's Word as truth. Psalm 119.81, My soul fainteth for thy salvation or your deliverance, but I hope in thy Word. Are you hoping in God's Word? Are you allowing God's Word to, I mean, build your hope? We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But hope also, uh, we see foundationally, comes through our acknowledgement that God's Word is truth. How about Psalm 119, 114 on the screen? Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy Word. Boy, the, the very picture there of a hiding place in times of distress The picture there of a shield, a need for protection in battle. What's what's the answer? Hope. And, And a hope that's anchored in the Word of God. Oh, if if the trial that shows up on our porch this week could be met with Bible. we could see victory in that trial. If we this week could allow the Word of God to be our hiding place, our shield, why am I hiding? I'm hiding because I'm afraid. Why do I want to be behind a shield? Because uh, I'm terrified of the spears and uh, the arrows And the Word of God becomes both that hiding place and my shield because our hope is in God's Word. 
Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Get it this morning. Pastor, I want to grow in hope. Wonderful. Then grow in your love for the word of God. Put yourself in as many opportunities as you can to be under the hearing of the preaching of the word of God. Because the more that we are in God's word, the more hope springs forth in our lives. Letter A, we saw here the reliability of God's word. Letter B, the resurrection of the Lord. Peter addresses this in 1 Peter 1.3. Have the verse on the screen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen, this morning, my future resurrection hinges on the resurrection of my Savior, and my hope is anchored in Him. He he is victorious over sin and death and hell. And this morning, oh, the blessing of that living, lively hope, because I see that in his resurrection, my resurrection will follow. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is all about. Oh, that God would let us see that that resurrection of Christ allows our hope uh, to grow. John 11, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? There at the cemetery, Lazarus had died. And Jesus, reassuring, I am the resurrection and the life. Hope. Is our hope growing? I'm going to use one illustration here this morning, and I won't be able to uh, really close this message right with us, us getting it. So would you go with me to Ruth chapter number one, and I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest condensed version of this little story. And it really is the last two points of our message here this morning. But right after Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth, this is a marvelous little book that gives us really two women and a picture of, first of all, hopelessness and then hope. And I want to contrast those two as we really close out the message here uh, this morning. So number four in your notes, I want you to see the faltering of our hope. To make a long story short here, this woman... Naomi uh, has a husband by the name of Elimelech, and they have two sons. And, and the reality is that where they were living in Bethlehem, a great famine came into their life. And, and because there was a drought and there was no crops to be uh, had, they looked to the land of Moab, and there as a family, this is uh, a, a, a husband, a wife, and the two sons, they make their way to the land of Moab. And I want us to focus on Naomi in chapter number one here because we see a faltering of her hope because her eyes are fixed upon situations and circumstances instead of on God. And I want to bring this right down to the bottom shelf, folks, so that when we leave this place, we can attach a a real-life human story to the necessity of hope growing in our life. It it seems horrible 
Letter A is our faltering through times of drought. And we've all experienced those just dry times in our life spiritually. Uh, For them, it was a real drought. It was a real famine that came on the land in chapter 1, verse number 1. But letter B, we see our faltering through times of despair. You see, the Bible tells us in verse 3 that Elimelech, her husband, died. And let me tell you something. It's one thing to be away from family and friends in Bethlehem and now to be in this far-off country of Moab. And, and, and the one that you have relied on as your life partner is, is off the scene. God and his uh, providence here allowed Elimelech to be taken out of the family picture. And despair is starting to set in. And we can see that throughout chapter number 1 as really this picture of a hopeless woman uh, comes to the forefront. So the drought, the despair are faltering through times of doubt. See, not only did her husband pass away, but the Bible says now her two sons, who she's really relying on, they die as well. Now you start really doubting God. What's going on? God, I mean, you let us go through some financial hardships, and all of a sudden here, my life partner... We had to bury him, and now one by one, my two sons, the ones that I've relied on as a a widow, they're gone. They're out of the picture as well. And so we begin to falter in our hope because of doubts that come into our life. What what would you, uh, in your mind, think when, when God now has removed you from friends and family, he's taken your husband, he's taken your children, uh, wouldn't you have a few doubts? Wouldn't you wonder, God, what are you doing? God, I don't understand this. And really the spirit of chapter 1 is uh, the spirit of of, of a hopeless uh, widow. Not only do we see the drought, the despair, the doubt, but we also see a disillusionment as she now is heading back to Bethlehem because she hears that there is bread in the land. And as she heads back to Bethlehem, what we see here is uh, her encouraging her daughter-in-laws to stay behind and, and stay with their families in, in this godless Moab and worship the false deities of Moab. And boy, you don't want to come with me because I'm without hope. Verse 12 really brings that to the forefront where she says, Turn again, my daughters, to your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them? She says, Listen, I'm just an old lady, and, and, and it, it's really hopeless. And, and if somehow I, I had a husband tonight and I conceived tonight, are you going to wait around the next 15, 20 years until my sons can become your husbands? What she's saying is she's saying it's hopeless. I can't. It's impossible. And yet the Bible allows us to see that although in chapter 1 you have Naomi that is weighed down with a hopelessness, we see that the opposite is true concerning Ruth because we see in her life the faithfulness of the God of hope. And we're going to close with this. Would you go fill that in? The faithfulness of the God of hope.
Ruth is so amazing because of, first of all, her, her wonderful testimony. And her testimony is found to us there in verse number 16 when Naomi says, would you just go back to your people? You know, they're on the road to Bethlehem. And, uh, and uh, she's saying, listen, there's, there's no hope if you stay with me. You know, I, there's nothing I can do for you. There's nothing I can help you with. And the Bible says in verse 16, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Oh, do you see it? Letter A, the hopefulness of Ruth. The hopefulness of Ruth. She, she was not loaded down with despair. She was not filled with doubt. She lost a husband as well. She did not allow here uh, her life to become disillusioned and wondering, is, is God still real? Does He care about me? She, in this moment, reiterates the reality that, listen, your God is my God. And she testified that I'm following your God. My hope is in your God. So here Ruth is filled with hope. The hopefulness of Ruth. Let her be the helpfulness of Boaz. I have just noticed that people that live in the realm of hope and that draw from the reservoir of hope, their eyes remain on God through the difficulties and hardships of life. Their hope is in God. They're looking to God. And yet we see that when you have a heart that is looking to God, God starts intervening intervening, and God uses other people to provide the help that we need in hopeless times. Here's the story. Ruth from Moab. Ruth's coming into the land of promise. She's a stranger. She's an outcast. How is she going to survive? How is she going to take care of her mother-in-law, Naomi? But she's trusting in her God, Jehovah God, Lord God. And here in chapter number 2, what we see is just her desire to go out into the field and glean ears of corn after him whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Naomi said, go my daughter. By the way, this is Bible welfare, all right? If you want to know a good place for what does the Bible teach about welfare, Ruth chapter number 2 is a good place. And link that to Leviticus 23 verse 22. You know, God expects for his people to have a tenderness in heart to help, but God also expects those on the receiving end to have a hand in the process. Not just sit at home and collect a check. You know what they were provided with? They were provided with an opportunity to glean. Here you have the Bible says in Leviticus for strangers and widows... I, 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 as, as my people, I want you to go ahead and plant a, a harvest. And, and when you're reaping that harvest, I want you to leave the edges for the strangers and for the widows and for the poor. Moses reiterated that in the uh, book of Deuteronomy. And if you want a reference there, um, 
I have it somewhere. Deuteronomy 24, 19 through 22. How to help the poor. How to help the widow. How to help the stranger. And, and so she's filled with hope. And she says, listen, let me go. Let me glean. Let me find grace. See, her focus was God and that God would lead her and guide her. And the help that she received was from the owner of this field, a man by the name of Boaz. Let her see handfuls of purpose. I find that when somebody is filled with hope, it seems like God is orchestrating in the lives of others to come to the aid of that one that's in desperate times. For every roof that is filled with hope, there is a Boaz that God can send down the road. And not only is there a Boaz, but we see that what Boaz ultimately does is he gives handfuls on purpose. He tells his laborers in the field, listen, make it easy for this woman. Just kind of take handfuls of the grain and leave it on purpose in one spot so she can easily gather that together. Listen, that's the kind of God that we serve. The kind of God here that is looking upon those hope-filled followers and saying, listen, I've got a Boaz I can send into your life. I've got a field prepared to help you in this time of distress. Matter of fact, I could give handfuls on purpose in your time of helplessness and hopelessness because I am the God of hope. But beyond all that, Ruth is a love story, and it brings together this Moabite woman, Ruth, and, and uh, Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And let me just end the story with the last few verses of chapter number 4. Go to Ruth, chapter number 4. There's a marriage. There's a conception. There's an offspring. And yet notice the lineage of the offspring. Verse number 16, here's Grandma Naomi. She's the one that said, you know, I, I, I left full, I came back empty. She was hopeless. She was empty. She, she had no hope whatsoever in God and the fact that God was still caring for her. And now here, happy Grandma, she's sitting with a, a, a grandson on her knee. And the Bible tells us here, and Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the woman, her neighbors, gave it a name saying, there is a son born of Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse. He is the father of David. In times of greatest despair, one woman filled with hope realizes that there's a God and he's real. And as I just trust in him, God can do the impossible. God can take a stranger that's filled with hope in the most unlikely scenario, bring her to a foreign land where, where as a widow, she would have to do her best to go into the field and gather up grain and yet God would have a Boaz and God would have handfuls on purpose. And more than that, God would have a future husband. And more than that, 
in her lineage the future Messiah. For Jesus was born of the lineage of David. And that comes all the way back here to the hope-filled Ruth. Listen, how are you going to go through this week? Hopeless or hope-filled? Are you going to draw on the reservoir of hope that God has in Him? Are we going to rest on His promise today? Oh, what God can do when our hearts are filled and growing in hope. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.